Welcome to the ETS podcast, where we are facing the challenge and shaping the future. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to ETS podcast. In this episode, um, I have a special guest that I want to introduce you to. Here's my colleague, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Tamara. It's so great to have you here. And I was just looking forward to this moment where a, a psychologist or a counselor and a, and a pastor um, can come together. But before I jump into explaining your roles and titles here on ETS, why don't you do it yourself? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so I am the campus pastor here at the seminary. Um, been, this is like my sixth school year at um, ETS, and I am also a teacher. I usually teach the Bible classes, um, some practical ministry courses, but yeah, we co-taught that uh, premarital and remarital class with Joel as well. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was great. And the reason why you were also there is because you have, besides your, um, your um, studies in theology, you also are now almost finishing studying counseling, right? That's true. Yeah, I am finishing up my master's. Um, pray for me. <laughs> I have <laughs> we'll to, do. <laughs> I have to turn in my thesis at the end of May. And then I have just one more class that I have to finish. So, oh, great. So yeah, I'm learning a lot about integration and yeah, how the two go together. I know that's a passion of yours. Yeah, I think that um, psychology and Christianity have been presented as enemies or Christian faith have been presented as enemies for such a long time. And I think there is, a, you know, the time has come for us as Christians to also make this paradigm shift. Um, and that's definitely what we are trying to do here on ETS. Uh, what are your feelings and thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting to look in the history of the church and you realize that for so many years, the pastor and Christian ministry leaders, I mean, they had the role not only of like the spiritual component of a, of a person, but also the, the emotional, the psychological, the mental. And so I think it's good that the church is reclaiming, you know, this holistic care for people, yes. you know, holistic. Mm, yeah, love that. It's word. a good word, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that you know, you cannot just take care of of people in a spiritual way if you don't take into consideration their, you know, their life in an emotional way and their emotional relationships and um, also their physical, you know, experiences, which we also briefly mentioned in one of our our podcasts on body image. And I think there is just so much more to a person and we definitely have to do it holistically. So I like that word a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And it's cool too that there's like so many Christian psychologists and researchers that are providing source, resources that really get at this to um, help us, help put language together to to see that integration isn't just like a new idea, but it's reclaiming, you know, what it means to provide Christian care. Yes. And Definitely, the more we are growing in, the more the science research is growing in like getting to know people and getting to know like what are the connections and the brain connections, you know, the, the neuroscience as well. I think as a Christians, we can really benefit uh, and we can have a more informed way of dealing and handling and helping, um, you know, humans and helping our church members. So I think we can use that rather than just like say, okay, that's secular and we put it on the side and that doesn't have to do anything Bible. We just look at the Bible um, and that's enough to help people. 
I don't know, as, as a pastor, I'm sure you have come with this tension presented from maybe students or, or other people you minister to, to like say, okay, you know, I, Jesus is enough. I just need Jesus. Why would I, you know, even involve myself in psychology? What is your usual response? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I could only really speak through my own experience here. I mean, when I first came here, um, yeah, I thought I had a really good knowledge of the Bible and, um, you know, people would come to me and I would share these things with them. But I realized that in order to be pastoral, there's a this sort of wisdom and discernment that goes into it that, um, you know, experience can only take you so far. Mm -hmm. And so I realized, um, you know, the value of, of doing the psychological training. I mean, the motivation for me actually doing the master's program here is to actually be a better pastor. And mm -hmm. so, um, and so, yeah, I've, I've seen that there are methods, there are theories, um, there, there are, there's scientific research that could actually help us be better pastors, which sounds crazy coming out of my mouth because I don't <laughs> hear that often, but mm -hmm. I feel like it, it's been very enriching to, to, to see that they play a role. But what you're saying too about the, the, yeah, the science about it. I mean, to be honest, I just feel like in my training, I have not come across stuff like that. And mm -hmm. so I am excited about this podcast where we're going to get more into this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm definitely also not claiming I'm a, I'm a professional in neuroscience. I just am scratching the surface. I think the more and more I, I you know, want to grow and learn in, in my psychological psychology training. And I, I have stumbled upon a few interesting things. And when I bring them in the class, there is always, you know, we are in a Bible school. And so there is always this question of like, what does the Bible say about this? And what does the Bible say about that? And, you know, can we have, you know, a, a dialogue between science and the Bible? And that's the reason why I wanted to, to tackle this topic today, because there was an interest from the student body saying, okay, like, how can we connect some terms and some something that science has found in neuro, you know, uh, about uh, neuroscience um, and their findings, and how can we connect that with, with Bible? And I thought, mm -hmm. what a better way to do it than, you know, invite a pastor who also has a little bit of a psychology background, and we just, you know, see where this will take us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited about this. Um, I'm really hoping that you feel the grace is upon your life to take over at times. I will follow <laughs> along, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, we are also co-leading a, a cell group here, and I think we have a good good um, flow of our conversation. So I'm excited to see where this will take us. And so the topic of today, let's not keep you know our listeners in the dark. Yes, drum roll, <laughs> um, is neuroplasticity. Uh, and so... What is neuroplasticity? Um, you probably, you maybe have heard this a lot of times on, you know, um, maybe on social media. Now that's where people get mostly informed. And you may wonder what is neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is basically something that, that the neuroscience has, you know, has tested and found out that people, people's brain have a capacity to change and rewire. And that's basically called neuroplasticity, that our brains are plastic, which means they can be reshaped and, and, and remolded. And I think that's the opposite from what we have heard for mm. a very long time, where it's like, you are, that's what you are, and you cannot change or like accept people because that's who they are and they can never change. Mm -hmm. Or if something bad happens to you, 
in a way you are done for life. Like there is no hope there. And that bothered me. I know even growing up when I did not know what is neuroplasticity or that it's possible, like, do I really just have to accept that some things about myself or about others will never change? Um, and sometimes it also challenged me to think, okay, but that's not what Bible, you know, that's not the hope I see in the Bible. That's not the call that I see in the Bible. Um, and so I don't know, what, what was your experience growing up about like change and transformation just mm. in general? Yeah, I feel like I've been exposed to the idea of, of Christian transformation from a young age simply because of my family history, the way that God moved in our lives, like in very dramatic ways. Mm -hmm. And so there's always been this idea that God can encounter us and, and bring growth into our lives. But specifically what that looks like beyond that encounter experience was never really clear for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I, I grew up with this mentality that it's always good to be open to transformation, but the question is, you know, where is that leading me? Where mm -hmm. am I actually, what am I actually being transformed into? So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that, you know, there is also this idea that we can, you know, we, we pray more to the Lord and we, you know, surrender more and we are called to like renew ourselves and be mm -hmm. more Christ-like. Um, but sometimes we feel stuck and we feel like I, there's nothing I can do. You know, every time I think about something, I do this thing, which can be problematic for me. You know, let's say some kind of a repetitive, addictive uh, habit or it can be something like, I don't know, um, every time somebody tells me something, I react a certain way and there's nothing I can do about it, even though there is a pressure, you know, and, and a calling that I see in the Bible for me to renew my mind and change. Um, and so there's that, that tension somehow. I, I don't know. Does that like, yeah, does that sound familiar to you? Well, yeah, I mean, and actually I feel like psychology has been very helpful in explaining some of these patterns. <sighs> I'm sorry, I, I don't remember the exact theory. I don't know if it was rational emotive behavior therapy where it talks about these cycles of pain mm -hmm. that, um, that people tend to place themselves in. And you see that there's like all of these factors that contribute to our behavior from, you know, not, not only um, our, our nature, but our nurture. Mm -hmm. And so to say that we're not being changed really seems to ignore the fact that there's there's all the the stimuli around us and we are responding and processing those things and and reacting and it just seems like um yeah to ignore that that can happen in our faith too is to ignore the dynamic and active presence of God and his activity in our lives so mm. I feel like it is valuable to to realize that, yeah, like environment is significant. And sometimes our environment produces, uh, can, can cause us to produce unhealthy behaviors. But at the same time, the, the, the presence and the activity of God, the kingdom of God in our lives, the way that we interact with him, the way we interact with his word, um, like the, there's also this interaction with our brain as well. Yes. And that also can, can lead to transformation that, that produces in us the, you know, the godliness that, that he intends for us. 
So. Yes. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, our brain is such a, um, you know, undiscovered land in a way. And there is like a small percentage that the science has actually tried to grasp and understand. And so what we have for now as an understanding is that, you know, we have our neurons and, and neurons that fire, that, you know, wire together, fire together, which means that if I, I don't know, if I put myself, my hand in fire uh, and, you know, it starts burning, there is a whole co- reaction in my brain mm-hmm. of neurons like firing together and saying like, pull your hand away, right? Which is a good thing because anytime I have, and now fire is close to me, then I will be careful because I know, you know, that my brain is like already signaling me like danger, danger, you know, or like it's going to be hot. And that's how children learn, right? Mm-hmm. By by just having these neural pathways that fire together and wire together, you know, it's like a, like a big web. And so I think that's that's a really beautiful part of our brain that like we can build this healthy, sometimes self-preserving um, habits, you know, where we will not do some things because we know it's dangerous. It has led us somewhere dangerous last time, but at the same time, it can also be also a downfall where, you know, every time, I don't know, a person who watches pornography, they have an urge and urge always leads to watching. And so that has been, you know, it's like a road in a, in a woods. If you go in one road, it's always like that road that you will take because it's, it's, you know, there is no grass uh, and it's kind of cleared up. But this is the big shift, paradigm shift happens when you realize that if you try to establish a new road, you know, and you establish a new neuron pathway in your brain and you fire it many times, you take a new path into the woods, then the other one, the the grass will grow, it Mm. will lose its power, and now you will have this new path. And that's why the neuroscience is saying neuroplasticity change is possible. Mm. It's not, it doesn't mean it's easy, but it's possible. And I think it aligns exactly with what Paul said, I think. Yeah. I mean, actually, what comes to my mind is the words of Jesus about the narrow road, right? Yes. That not many people actually tread that road. And um, it's true because of all these different dynamics that sin produces in the world. But also, like, there is this responsibility on our end to... Yeah, to maybe rewire our brain in a way that we we see the value and the um, these things that used to hinder us from from taking the road that God has for us. You know, we have to intentionally work through those things so that we would actually take the narrow road ourselves. So I think what you're getting at with Paul, yes. right? Uh, Romans twelve, mm-hmm. or um, I'm sorry, Romans ten. Romans yes. 12. Yes, I think it's 10, <laughs> 10 to 12. This is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 10 to 12. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> uh, just the, yeah, just the idea of the renewing of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, um, that's important not only for, you know, academic studies, just, you know, being a fully functioning adult, but it's, it's really important also to have that intentionality towards our faith life, rather than just saying, okay, God, like, I'm going to give this to you, you know, let's, let's see what you do. But there seems to be more of a partnership there where God, um, God mm-hmm. will do his part and, and, you know, we are expected to do our part as well. So yeah, I, I think it works. So yeah, what we are trying to say, and it sounds like we are trying to say that, you know, change is possible, uh, not only from, 
you know, uh, uh, not only that we are challenged by the society or that, you know, the, the, the science is showing, but also we are called to renew ourselves and be more, grow more into the likeness of the image of God. And I, you know, I think that that's where, you know, Bible and, and science and psychology come together. And I would like for us to maybe take a few moments just to talk about maybe some practical ways how we can, you know, strengthen the neuroplasticity of our, of our mind. Um, and so, you know, one thing that comes to mind, and you mentioned that briefly, is like being intentional mm-hmm. in, in our change, yeah. being intentional in our transformation. And I can say from, you know, psychology or from counseling part of work is that, you know, being intentional about thinking about your thoughts or uh, thinking about your emotions, thinking about, you know, reflecting on your actions, that's very useful and helpful because if you don't realize which road are you taking, you will not be able to, you know, zoom out and see that there is another road. And so I would say that self-reflection and, um, you know, be intentionality in change is the first step mm. um, towards towards that change actually happening. Um, and I know that that counseling, of course, now I'm biased, but I think counseling <laughs> can help in that a lot, just where you're intentional about talking about some of the block roads that you face. Um, and I don't know what... what you know, there is also this whole stigma about counseling and therapy in, in Christian circles. What, what, what is your response toward that hesitation for Christians to involve themselves in counseling, like to, to get therapy or to get counseling? Yeah, um, well, I guess it just, uh, it, it depends upon the methodology and also the intent of the counseling. Um, I would argue, you know, one of the first things you have to ask yourself is, what do I want to be transformed into? Mm-hmm. Is the yes. purpose of my life to be a happy individual? And I'm going through this process in order to be happy. I, you know, or do I want to become more self-actualized? You know, I know that's a, a yes. term that comes up a Carl lot. Carl Rogers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as a Christian, you know, we ha- I think that a good question to ask is, you know, am I being transformed into the image of Christ? Um, do I actually... Uh, see that 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 role that God has given me, the role to be an image bearer, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that is possible through redemption in Christ. Is that is that something that I am pursuing? And if I um, if I struggle with that, then maybe there's somebody who can help me along the way. Mm-hmm. So very simply put, a, a counselor who also wants to help. A fellow Christian on their journey to 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 grow in the image of Christ and to um, partner in their in, in just different aspects of that journey, then yeah, like I think it's a really good thing. Yeah, and I think that you know you should just consider that most of the time counselor is not you know a guru or somebody who has all the knowledge and it's gonna you know mm. enlighten you. Counselor simple simply is you know, a fellow traveler. And I love that imagery. Like we are walking together in a, in a, in a path of life and the counselor is there to just to help you remove some of the op- obstacles. He's mm-hmm. not there to tell you where to go and how you should, you know, take this path or that path, but to help you remove the roadblocks and realize which path are you taking. And yeah. so I think um, we can, as counselors, we can be a good support and and a catalyst of change and transformation and so i would argue that you know as christians it can actually benefits us in in being a better image bearers 
Yeah, and I would argue too that this is part of Jesus's ministry in the Gospels, that when there were times where the religious establishment, I mean, they had, they set up certain parameters or hurdles mm-hmm. um, that you had to uh, live up to in order to be like defined as part of the people of God, and Jesus, um, he went past those obstacles and he showed his followers that there is a different way to be to be God's people there's a different way to be human as God intended for them and so um to uh to say that a counselor you know cannot help somebody in their sanctification and their in their Christian growth mm-hmm. um i you know if it's from the heart of 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 being a fellow traveler and at the same time with the heart of Christ like I think that's a great place to be. I think that's very pastoral. Yes, yes. Preach it, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that that um, our time is getting, you know, we don't want to be too long here. Well, that was fast. <laughs> <laughs> it passed by fast. We can talk for hours, I think, on this topic. Um, but I just want you to, to be encouraged that, you know, change is possible. Change is something that Bible is calling us to do um, and to involve ourselves in. But um, also on the other side, to encourage you that on a scientific level, change is also possible because of neuroplasticity and uh, you know the the, the um, ability of our brain to rewire and our neurons to rewire. And so, all truth is God's truth, right? Hallelujah! <laughs> uh, thank you, Kenny, so much for joining, and I I'm looking forward to you know having some more discussions on theology and psychology here. And um, I would just like to ask to yeah to ask you to. To end up this time with prayer, we are all walking in our lives of transformation and and change. And I I think we all need God's grace and wisdom in that process. So, Pastor, why don't you pour (laughs) that blessing on us? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Father, we thank you so much for um, the grace that you provide for us um, by your Son and by your Spirit that we can be a new creation that the old truly can pass and the new that you have promised us is available. Lord, um, we might not fully see it and we might not fully experience it now, but we can partner with you and experience new life, Lord. Yes. Um, new, uh, a new way to be human, a new way to, um, to live in accordance with the kingdom of God. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you and we ask that you yes. would... Uh, show us this path, help us down the narrow road. Because yeah, it doesn't feel like a path that is, that is tread um, and, you know, by many or by our own minds. And so Lord, we need your help, Lord. We need your grace. Would you do the work in us, Amen. Lord? Uh, and, and that includes the science, Lord. Would you do that work as well so that we um, can follow you and that we can be faithful to you? So help us be with us and show us, Lord, um, who can come alongside of us. Who are mm. those individuals that you have placed in our lives that can counsel us, that can um, be fellow travelers? We love you, Lord, and we do this all for your glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you, Kenny, for joining me. And I hope this will encourage you to you know, embrace your path of change. Thanks right. for listening to the ETS podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.ets-canibus.de.